Hello, my name is Dr. Jim Doty, and I'm the host of the Into the Magic Shop podcast, where we explore the mysteries of the brain and the secrets of the heart. Today, I'm sharing with you the second part of a conversation I had with Thich Nhat Hanh on November 11th, 2013, which was part of the Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education Conversations on Compassion series. I hope you enjoy part two of this conversation. I just talk about the kingdom of God not as a place where there is no suffering because it is my conviction that where there is no suffering, there is no happiness either. That is the truth of interbeing, like the left and the right, the above and the below, the subject and the object. We don't want to send our children to a place where there is no suffering. Because in such a place, our children have no chance to learn to be understanding and compassionate. It is by touching suffering, understanding suffering, that you can generate love and compassion. That is why my my vision of uh, the kingdom of God is a place where people know how to make good use of suffering in order in order to create understanding and compassion. And uh, in Plumblech, France, we uh, used to invite uh, groups of uh, Palestinians and Israelis to come and practice with us. And uh, it is always difficult in the, in the beginning because when the two groups come, they could not look at each other. They could not uh, talk to each other because both the groups have a lot of uh, anger and fear and suspicion, the suffering. During the first week, we let them stay um, separately. And uh, first of all, the practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking, help them to calm down the pain, embrace the pain. And they are, they are guided to get in touch with the wonders of life within themselves and around them to get the nourishment they need. So to learn how to calm the painful feeling, the painful emotion, and how to get the nourishment that you need is what we do in the first week. And then we begin, we continue with looking deeply into our own suffering and find out where they have come from. Very often they have come from our wrong perceptions. Wrong perceptions give rise to fear, anger, discrimination. And mindfulness and concentration have the power to bring insight. That insight can remove, transform fear, anger, separation and uh, discrimination. So um, beginning the second week, we initiate uh, these, uh, these people to the practice of uh, deep listening and compassionate, comp- compassionate listening and loving speech. One group are asked to tell the other group and many of us also about their suffering. And they are advised to speak out in such a way that can help people to, to understand. Try to avoid blaming, uh, accusing, and so on. You are 
invited to tell us about your suffering. You can tell us everything. The suffering of your children, the suffering of your adult, how your house has been bombed and how your children have been maimed and so on. Please tell us everything. We are trying to listen to you, Israelis or Palestinians or, or any other people. And many of us sit there to lend our support. Because if you have 100 people sitting and breathing and generating the energy of mindfulness and compassion, we support them because sometimes it's very difficult to speak out. And on the other side, uh, the other group, they will practice uh, deep listening, compassionate listening. And we have to train ourselves in order to listen. Because the other, what the other person, what the other group saying, may trigger the anger and the irritation in us. And we lose our compassion. We cannot continue to listen. That is why in order to listen, you have to get the insight alive, maintain the insight alive. I am listening to him with only one purpose, to help him to speak out and suffer less. And you have to maintain that insight alive that is called mindfulness of compassion. So if you, if you maintain that compassion, mindfulness, compassion alive, then what the, the other person say will not trigger the irritation and the anger in you, and you can continue to listen for one hour or more. And you tell yourself that, well, he's full of wrong perceptions, but I'm not going to interrupt him right now, because if I do, and then I will transform the session into a debate that will ruin everything. In a few days, I may, um, I might have the time, occasion to release some information to help him to correct his perceptions, but not now. Now he's only listening. And that is the art of uh, compassionate listening that can help people suffer much less. And uh, with that, uh, with that practice, people suffer less right after the first session. When you listen to them with mindfulness and concentration, you realize that on their side, on the other side, they have suffered exactly like on your side, children and adults. And the first time, you see that they are victims of the conflict, victims of wrong perceptions, and you are not angry at them anymore because compassion, understanding, compassion is born in you, and you begin to look at you do not suffer anymore when you look at them. And in your eyes, there is the reflect of compassion. And when they see you looking at them like that, they suffer much less also. And that is a, like a miracle. And we need only 10 days to do so. And then the, you see for the first time that the people on the other camp, they are just human beings like, like you, and who have suffered very much the same way you have suffered. So, with your understanding become uh, possible, communication become possible with uh, that kind of uh, contemplation of suffering. And you know that you have uh, a chance in order to speak about your suffering, uh, your difficulties, your despair, and the other group uh, can listen. And the practice can, can remove a lot of anger, remove a lot of uh, uh, suspicion, and remove a lot of fear. 
and they begin to be able to sit together, share a meal together, holding hands to do walking meditation, meditation together. It's like a miracle of healing, how to help a compassion to, to be born. Listening to the suffering with mindfulness, you can, you can cause, you can help uh, the energy of compassion to be born. And then they experience um, transformation and healing. And all of us are so happy, yeah, they do. And on the last day of the retreat, they come together as one group to report about the fruit of the practice to the whole community. And they always um, promise that when they go back to the Middle East, they will organize that kind of practice so that other Israelis and Palestinians will come and practice and suffer less. So that is uh, what uh, happened um, during the time we host uh, these uh, two groups. In our retreats of mindfulness that are offered a little bit everywhere in Europe, in Asia, and so on, in uh, America, usually on the fifth day of the retreat, we ask people to apply the teaching of uh, deep listening and loving speech with the other person with which they have with whom they have difficulties in order to restore communication. If the other person is in the retreat, that is easier because uh, he or she has also been exposed to the teaching and the practice. And if the other person is at home or uh, somewhere else, you can use your telephone in order to practice deep listening, compassionate listening, and loving speech. And uh, you call him, your father, and you say, Daddy, I know you have suffered quite a lot in the past many years. I was not able to help you to suffer less. In fact, I have made it... Uh, more difficult to you by reacting in such a way that makes you suffer more. Daddy, it's not my intention to make you suffer. It's because I did not understand your suffering. I did not understand your difficulties. That is why I have reacted to that kind of stubbornness. I'm sorry. I need your help. Daddy, you should tell me about your suffering, your difficulties, your despair. You should help me, because if I know that if I understand them, I will not react like the way I have in the past. Please help me, uh, Father. If you don't help me, who will help me? And that is the kind of speech that we call loving speech. And that speech you can use naturally if uh, you have looked deeply into the suffering of that person. To, and you know that that person doesn't know how to handle his suffering. That, because, that is why he makes the people around suffer, including you. So contemplating suffering help you help compassion to be born in you. And if you have the energy of compassion, you can very easily use the language we call loving speech, gentle speech. And that can really open the door of the heart of the other person. One German um, gentleman told me 
on the sixth day of the retreat in northern Germany that uh, year Thay. I did not believe I can talk to him that way. I was so angry at him that I had vowed not to see him anymore in my life. And yet last night, practicing according to your recommendation, I called him, and when I hear his voice, suddenly I found myself capable of talking to him with that kind of uh, of compassion. And he cried. My father cried like a baby. And we reconciled. And dear Thay, do you know something? The first thing I will do after this retreat is to go straight to him and see him. So the miracle of reconciliation can happen very quickly with the practice of compassion. And compassion, we know, it is born from understanding suffering. And we can practice uh, that with ourselves before we can uh, help another person to suffer less. tradition, we speak of uh, love in terms of uh, true love, in terms of uh, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity, uh, uh, or non-discrimination, or inclusiveness. In order to really understand compassion, you should understand also the three other elements of true love. The first uh, Element of true love is um, loving kindness, maitri. It has the power to offer happiness. If uh, love cannot offer happiness, it's not true love. It, your true love offer you happiness and offer him, offer her happiness. This is not the willingness to offer happiness. Because if you don't understand the other person, the more you try to make him happy, the more you make him suffer. So understanding him, understanding her suffering and need before you can, you can practice loving kindness, maitri. In Asia, there is a fruit called durian. Many people crave for it. But for me, Mm, I cannot eat it. And then you say, dear Thay, he works so hard, he should uh, eat some durian. And then you make me suffer by loving me. <laughs> so we should understand uh, the other person in order to really uh, make him happy. And that is why understanding is the other word for love, for compassion. And that is why uh, we should ask our partner, Darling, do you think I understand you enough? <laughs> if I don't understand you enough, please help me. My wife is right there. So, <laughs> 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 so, so Maitri, loving kindness is not just the willingness to, to make a, a person happy. 
but the capacity to make him or her happy, and that requires compassion, uh, understanding. And understanding requires time in order to look, to look deeply. And then the second element is compassion, which is a karuna. Greek compassion is called maha karuna. Compassion has the power to remove the pain, the suffering. If your love cannot make the other person suffer less, it's not true love. And you have to understand his suffering, her despair, in order to help him or her suffer less. And that is why uh, you need to have the time to look and to listen. And understanding will create uh, love and happiness. And the practice is that you have to apply that for yourself. You have to be able to offer you happiness and compassion. Do we have enough compassion towards our body, our feelings? Do we know how to handle our body to make it uh, suffer less? Do we know how to handle a feeling so that we can help calm down the feeling or emotion? That is self-love. The capacity to love another person relies entirely on your capacity to love yourself and take care of yourself. That is true with compassion. And the third is a joy, mudita. If by loving you make the other person cry every day, that is not uh, true love. True love. <laughs> so you create, uh, you create joy for yourself and for the other person. And there are many practical ways to to create joy without having to go to the market and buy something uh, to offer him or her. Suppose you say uh, you breathe mindfully and you bring your mind home to your body, you become fresh and pleasant and you go to her and you say, Darling, you know something? I'm here for you. (laughs) How can you love if you are not there? To love means to be there. (laughs) To be there for the person you love. If you are so busy, in your in your work, you are so busy making money, and then you have no time for yourself and for your beloved one. And that is why mindful breathing, mindful walking, you know, to bring your mind home to your body, and to be uh, relaxed, fresh, and loving, and pronounce the mantra, "Darling, I am here for you." And you can, that is to bring joy for yourself and for the other person. And when you are truly there and offer your presence to him or to her, you have a chance to acknowledge the presence of the other person as something very precious to you. And that is why you can pronounce the second mantra. Darling, I know you are there and I'm so happy. That is, to, to be loved means to be recognized as existing. And if you drive your car and you think of everything else except the person sitting next to you, uh, she cannot be happy at all. So while driving, you use your mindfulness, embrace her, and you say, Darling, you know something? I know you are there next to me. I am so happy. (laughs) (laughs) So there are very simple practice like that. 
practice of mindfulness can that can bring joy. And if uh, if uh, he is in the office, uh, you can practice the mantra with your telephone or send him, send him an email with the content, darling. I know you are there, and I'm very happy. <laughs> and that is why creating joy is true love. And the fourth element is inclusiveness. We cannot understand compassion deeply without understanding the fourth aspect of true love. In true love, there is no discrimination anymore between the lover and the beloved one. You cannot say, that is, darling, that is your problem. <laughs> In true love, your problem is my problem. Your happiness is my happiness. My suffering is your suffering. There is no longer any frontier. Inclusiveness. In true love, happiness and suffering are no longer individual matters. And if uh, you continue to love like that, you begin to embrace all of us into your love. Because these four elements of true love are called the four unlimited mind. There can never be enough. You begin with one person, and then if you follow the path of true love, your heart will open, 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 and you will embrace all of us inside. And that is true love is the kind of love that can enlarge your heart without stopping. One day the Buddha was holding a bowl of water in his left hand. He's holding a handful of salt in the right hand. And he poured the salt into the water and he stirred. And he asked the monks, my dear friends, do you think that you can drink that uh, water? It's so salty. But if uh, you throw that, uh, that amount of water into a big river, it will not make the river salty at all. And people, thousands of people continue to drink the water in the river. So with someone who has a great heart, a big heart, a lot of compassion, they don't suffer anymore. The things that make other people suffer do not make them suffer. It's like one handful of, of salt can make uh, salty uh, the bowl of water, but cannot make the whole big river suffer at all. So the four Brahma-Vihara, the four elements of true love are unlimited because uh, by loving in that kind of way, one day you will embrace all of us in your heart. You, you love not only humans, but animals, plants, and minerals. Because minerals, they are alive also. Minerals can suffer. And that is the love recommended by the Buddha. The love without frontier, without discrimination. And the, f the fourth element of true love is inclusiveness. No discrimination whatsoever. Black or white, north or south, uh, rich or poor, are all objects of your love. And when you have that kind of love, you don't suffer anymore. And you are in a situation to help many people. And that is why all of us who want to serve uh, our society, we should uh, cultivate uh, true love. 
with true love, we are nourished, we are strong enough. And if we know how to build a community of love, a love community, a compassionate uh, community, and then uh, we will be powerful enough to make change in our society. I would like to make a few suggestions. Generating the collective uh, energy of uh, compassion should be a practice that should be done in a family, in the, in the hospital, in schools, even in the parliament. A guided meditation on meditation with 1,000 people can generate uh, a collective energy of compassion. And that can be felt. And maybe scientists have the way to measure the intensity, the degree of compassion. Because we can feel it. One day, uh, I gave a talk in Germany and I for 1,000 people. And I saw four young mothers nursing their babies. And the babies were being fed by mother milk. But I saw that the atmosphere in the home is so peaceful, so compassionate, because everyone was speaking, uh, practicing mindful breathing, generating the energy of mindfulness, brotherhood, sisterhood, compassion. And I saw that the four children, but four babies, they are, they are having that kind of food also. And they feel it, they are very peaceful. When we come together as a group like this, and if you know how to breathe, how to contemplate suffering, how to generate the energy of mindfulness, the collective energy can be very powerful. And if you happen to be in the zone of that energy, you get the healing. If you practice mindful breathing and focus your attention on your in-breath and out-breath, by doing so, you can stop the thinking the mental discourse, because the thinking may take you away from the zone of compassion. So you cannot inherit profit from that uh, collective energy of compassion. Create such a collective energy of compassion is, is, is what we should uh, learn how to do. Because the best thing to offer to humankind and other kind species also. And please, as scientists, tell us how we organize in order to, to offer the world that wholesome collective energy of understanding and compassion, because what, that's what we need. We cannot do the healing of the world unless we have enough of that energy, understanding and compassion. Usually in a public talk, we begin with the chanting. We have about 100 or 200 monastics uh, uh, offering a chanting. Uh, in a few days, we have one in uh, Paramount Theater. And uh, everyone uh, sitting in, in the audience, there may be 4,000 or 5,000 or more. In Hong Kong, we had uh, an audience of 10,000 people attending the talk and practicing mindful, mindful breathing together. And we create a very powerful collective energy 
of mindfulness and compassion. The monks and the nuns, they have been instructed to chant the name of Avalokiteshvara, the great being of compassion. And uh, while chanting, they try to go home to themselves and touch the suffering inside of themselves. And the purpose is to allow compassion to be born. And when they chant for the second time the name, they reach out and recognize and touch the suffering in the people in front of them, on the left, on the right. And the aim is the same. Allow compassion to be born and to grow. And when they, sh- they send the third time, for the third, third time, the name of uh, the compassionate uh, Bodhisattva, they reach out and touch the suffering a little bit everywhere in the world. Asia, Africa, Middle East, South Africa, everywhere. Violence, war, death, uh, despair, um, hunger, and so on. And the purpose is the same, generating energy of compassion. And the audience are advised to practice mindful breathing in order to stop the thinking and allowing the collective energy of mindfulness and compassion to penetrate into the body and help release the tension in the body and open the heart and allow the collective energy of compassion to penetrate into our heart, helping to embrace so that we can suffer less after a few minutes of practice. So that that is the way we cultivate the energy of compassion, not only uh, individual energy, but the collective energy of compassion. And yesterday, uh, spending a day of practice with uh, Google people, we asked them whether they, with technology, they can help us uh, organize in order to practice generating compassion together as a community, as a uh, the community of uh, human beings. And uh, I think um, when you uh, guide, when you give a guided meditation on compassion with image and sound and helping people touch the suffering in themselves, in their family, in society, you notice that uh, the energy of compassion is born easily, and you can feel it. And when every time I sit with the monks and the nuns chanting, and the people listening while breathing, I saw many people cry. That the energy of compassion can be felt, and it's very healing. And uh, we hope uh, you can teach us how uh, to do this on a greater scale, because. Really, our society needs that kind of energy. And we know that uh, compassion is made of non-compassion elements. We can make use of non-compassion elements like anger, fear, suffering, in order to create uh, compassion. If we have suffer, if we have fear, anger, despair, these non-compassion elements can be made can be used as element to fabricate compassion. It's like the garbage 
if uh, you are a organic gardener, you can preserve uh, these uh, garbage and transform them into compost in order to nourish the flowers. So with the suffering that we have in the world, if we know how to handle the suffering, we can transform them back into compassion and love. Please uh, see care with your studies. Help us to know how to do it uh, more scientifically and uh, in greater scale. I'm afraid our time together, while it may seem extraordinarily brief, uh, we have had some wonderful uh, dialogue here. Uh, but Ty, thank you so much. It's been an, an amazing. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Dr. And thank all of you. And uh, fill your life and every action with compassion. Thank you. Again, thank you for being with us today. The Into the Magic Shop podcast can be found where you find your most popular podcasts, or you can find us at intothemagicshop.com. <laughs>